According to Stanford's Encyclopedia of Philosophy, loyalty is usually seen as a virtue, albeit a problematic one. Imagine how dangerous your devotion to someone becomes when they turn out to be a cold-blooded killer. You're now forever described as guilty by association. You've got blood on your hands, running with the wrong crowd, or simply put, accomplice. Everyone on this list showed unwavering loyalty and it gave them all a level of fame, albeit very problematic. you weirdos welcome to crime countdown a spotify original from parcast i'm ash and i'm elena every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes all picked by the parcast research gods this episode we're counting down the top 10 infamous accomplices see I feel like the key to a good accomplice, or I should say sidekick. Sidekick. Because <laughs> let's not go out looking for accomplices, everybody. Yeah, no, let's no, no. Look for that sidekick. So a good sidekick is definitely someone who's always there. They're going to enter that fray with you. Hopefully not like a felonious fray, just Mm-mm. a regular fray. Uh, but they're always also going to be there to tell you, you know, you're being bonkers. Sit down. Take a drink of water. <laughs> like hydrate. Take a shower. Just meditate, get through this. calm down. Like sidekicks need to be level-headed, I feel like. No, they definitely do. Yeah. I feel like that's why I make a good sidekick. Don't you think? <laughs> I do. You are the levelest of all the heads. No, I mean, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't go that far. But I would, I would go pretty far to help you out. Maybe I not as far as some of the people on this list, but a good amount of far. Yeah, I, you know what? And I appreciate that. I got you. And I think you know that I would pretty much move a mountain for you. Wow. Essentially. Thank you. Like an entire range of mountains. Multiple mountains. The only thing that would stop me is a migraine. <laughs> That's fair. I, got, I gotta tell you up front. That's fair. Yeah. See, this makes me look at accomplices as people who are just like blindly helping a brother out, yeah. you know? But like the people on this list, they, they really took it to a place. They did. And I feel like they knew what they were getting into a little bit here, if we're mm-hmm. being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. You know, sympathy for them is definitely in short supply here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you will find. I think so. Well, me and Alina both have five accomplices, but neither of us knows who's lent the biggest helping hand. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. A new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016... Adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. 
The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Kate Barker, better known as Ma. Ma Barker wasn't just the matriarch of her family, she was also the matriarch for her criminal family in the 1930s, the Barker Carpus Gang, which included her four sons and Alvin Creepy Carpus. He's the one from Alcatraz. Oh, creepy, you're right. Yeah, I knew that sounded familiar. It does. On IMDb, the Goonies trivia states that Ma Fratelli and her boys were inspired by Ma Barker and her boys, and both Ma's actually look a lot alike. Ma. Yeah, Ma. (laughs) This is weird, because that's what I call my grandma. No, it's true. (laughs) Ma grew up fiercely protective of her sons and supported their crimes, living vicariously through them and housing and feeding them. Wow, what a mama. I know. (laughs) She really was, hence her nickname. Barker Carpus gang were responsible for a spree of kidnappings, murders, and bank robberies, all supported by Ma Barker. But this is what happened. The gang really messed up when they kidnapped a banker who had ties to President Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Like, you done messed up there. Yeah. They had to flee to South Florida as national pressure mounted. And then on January 16th, 1935, at the Ma Barker house in South Florida, she and her son made FBI history in the longest shootout in history, which was four hours long. Whoa. And Ma was killed in the shootout. Oh no, Ma. Rip Ma. (laughs) Nine. Number nine on our countdown is Benjamin Peitzel. Peitzel was the accomplice to America's first serial killer, H.H. Holmes. And it was Peitzel's murder that brought Holmes down for good and led to his hanging on May 7th, 1896. We love an H.H. Holmes story. You definitely do. We do. It's one of my favorites. Mr. Match. So H.H. Holmes was a town-hopping con artist when he got to Chicago in 1886, which who would not want to be called a town-hopping con artist? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Anyone does, in their right who mind. Who love that? <laughs> uh, he pulled off scams like insurance fraud, where he'd steal medical cadavers and pretend they were victims of accidents to collect the insurance money, which is an innovative i want to say i gotta say that's like borderline genius but it also is, like, in a terrible way yeah ridiculously messed up yeah terribly terrible but wow is what we have to say absolutely now in chicago he built his infamous murder castle a three-story building that took up the entire block of 63rd and wallace streets uh he called it the world's fair hotel to attract tourists mm-hmm. whom he began to murder. Yeah, he did do that. He didn't exactly house them and give them a good time. Mm-mm. He went ahead and murdered them. A little different. According to some claims, he killed up to 200 people. But it's like he had the castle to do it and if like you, hide them. Yeah, if you have a murder castle, the count's going to be high. Right. It's not like a murder shed. It's a big you know, difference. Like a murder cabana. It's a castle. <laughs> a murder cabana. <laughs> it's a castle. Benjamin Peitzel joined him on an insurance scam that involved Peitzel faking his own death for a payout. 
But then H.H. H. Holmes killed him for realsies. Yeah, it's like, so, don't get involved with H.H. H. Holmes yeah. and expect to live. He's like, we're going to fake this. And H.H. H. is like, I don't do fake things. Mm-mm. I don't do it. To keep the insurance lie going, Holmes lured in one of Peitzel's children, but then killed them once they knew their father was really dead. Whoa. He's a bad guy. That's a lot. Really bad. Too far. Number eight on our countdown of the top 10 infamous accomplices are Candyman sidekicks David Owen Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley. Brooks and Henley were just teens when they began to help lure victims to Houston killer Dean Coral, also known as the Candyman. Coral killed at least 28 teenage boys in the 70s before being shot to death by Henley. Dean Coral is so gross. He's nasty. Bad story. Well, he was known as the Candy Man because he once ran his family's candy factory in town, which is really disturbing to think about. Hate it. Hate it so much. David Owen Brooks first witnessed Coral abusing two victims in December 1970 and allowed Coral to buy his silence with gifts and money, which is like, not cool. No. Mm-mm. Tell someone. Brooks then began helping lure victims to Coral. One of those victims was Elmer Wayne Henley, who was instead recruited to be a second accomplice. He was a, he was going to be a victim, and then right. he ends up shooting him. It's like, what? Wow. I know. The ultimate twist. But at the time, it was the worst recorded mass killing count and was called the Houston Mass Murders. In August 1973, Henley called 911 to report that he had shot and killed Coral to defend himself and two friends from becoming the next victims. Both Brooks and Henley went to prison. David Owen Brooks died in prison at 65 years old of COVID-19. Seven. At number seven this week is the unknown potential John Wayne Gacy accomplices. What? Two Chicago lawyers took a closer look at the case in 2012 because they believed Gacy could not have acted alone. And some think they're right. One of the original prosecutors told the local Chicago news station, quote, I felt from the beginning that there may be loose ends. And when we did the, when we covered this on Morbid, it kind of looked like there might be some more. Yeah. I think so. So Gacy was responsible for the deaths of 33 young men and boys. He admitted to this. Mm -hmm. He he did not deny it. He's like, yep, that was me. 29 of those victims were found buried in a crawl space beneath his home. The accomplice theory comes into play because three of his victims went missing during times when Gacy was confirmed to be out of town or not in proximity to the murders when they were said to have taken place. See, that's the weird thing. That really throws a wrench in everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, because how do you explain that? Right, like you weren't there. You weren't there. So obviously (laughs) someone else did that. Also, two of the victims were killed differently. Suffocated with cloth instead of gagged by rope like the other victims. Which, while strange when you add it to the other things, people do switch it up sometimes. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. But with that number of victims, it's weird that only two died in a different way. Yeah, it's definitely something to look at. The family of victim Russell Nelson believed he was killed by an accomplice, possibly a friend that had attempted to lure him to Gacy. In the Crime Countdown episode, Victims Who Barely Got Away, we actually talked about this theory. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Rignall was a Gacy survivor. 
And when he came to Gacy's home, he said there was a third person present. I was going to mention that. I yeah. knew that there was a victim who did get away and said that. And he was sure of it. Mm-hmm, he I was. Know, yeah. Someone. I feel like someone was there at least. I think so. Gross. Six. Landing at number six is Carol Fugate. In the late 50s, Carol was only 14 when her 19-year-old boyfriend, Charles Starkweather, went on a murder spree in Nebraska and Wyoming. Both were convicted of murder, but the decades-long debate has been, is Carol an accomplice or a victim? I hate this case. Yeah, it's gnarly. It's terrible. Charles Starkweather became a murderer on December 1st, 1957, when he killed a gas station attendant during a robbery. The next month, he got into an argument with Carol's parents and murdered them and her sister. I hate this. And so began a killing spree that lasted until January 29th, 1958, in which 11 people were killed. Like, so gnarly. And it's and it's like, he killed her parents. And her sister. And her sister was like young. Yeah, she was, Like right? a toddler. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Charles got the death penalty and Carol spent 18 years in prison before being paroled in 1976. She claims that she was kidnapped using the murder of her family as evidence that Charles was in control. And then after being released, she even applied for a pardon stating in her application, quote, when I was 14 years old, I was abducted and held captive by Charlie Starkweather. I was terrified and did whatever he wanted me to. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 14 is like so young. Yeah, that's the thing. So she very well may have been. I don't know. Wow, this list so far, dude. I, this is stressing me out already. I know. That last one I knew about and I'm like worried about the other ones that I'm going to know about yeah. and just be like, I know, because I'm trying to rack my brain of who is coming up. Me too. And I know I'm going to hit one that's like, oh, I knew about <laughs> Why that. Why did I think of that? Or I feel like you're going to have one that I'm like, oh, right. I exactly. didn't even think of that. Let's see. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast. And I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads. And it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals. Like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of infamous accomplices. Starting off the second half of our list is A.J. Chaudry and Marie-André Leclerc. French serial killer Charles Sobrage, known as The Serpent, murdered at least 12 people in the 70s. Most notably, he committed the brutal Bikini Murders with the help of A.J. Chaudry and Marie-André Leclerc. All of them are monsters. Also, the bikini murder sounds yeah. really disturbing. I am not a fan. Sobraj drugged, robbed, and murdered backpackers in Asia, although he was officially only linked to the murder of only one couple. That's interesting. Marie Leclerc was a woman Sobraj met while she was vacationing, who dumped her fiancé and old life to join him in Bangkok. She just wanted to start fresh, I guess. We just start off with a bang. It's like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of the fiance. Here I am. I'm here to help. Leclerc posed as his assistant or nurse and administered drugs that incapacitated victims while Sobraj stole from, assaulted, and sometimes killed them. Whoa. Talk about loyalty. That's like, I wish there was a different word for that kind of loyalty. Yeah. And she started off like with it all. I'm all in. Yeah. All in. A.J. Chaudhry joined the team later and was there when the crimes escalated into the extremely violent bikini murders. They were named because of what the victims were wearing. Right. Which is so chilling. It is. Leclerc denied knowledge of the murders, but was still charged. Despite being sentenced to life in prison, she was released due to terminal cancer. She died in April 1984. Sobraj was sent to prison for life. No one knows exactly what happened to Chaudhry. How did they just lose track of that guy? They're just like, well, we got two. I don't know what happened. He's just out there? Like, what? What, what is happening? Four. Landing at number four this week is Carol Bundy. Bundy was a self-proclaimed mousy little person whose experiences with serial killer Douglas Daniel Clark during the summer of 1980 in Hollywood were, quote, the most amazing adventure she had ever been in. But she's also the reason it all ended. Adventure is one way to put it. I guess so. Jesus. Bundy and Clark met in a local bar. He was good at sweet-talking women to take advantage of, and she was vulnerable to his charms. It's like a match made in heaven. Woo. Or perhaps hell. <laughs> Eventually, the two confided some dark fantasies they both had and moved in together to reenact them with sex workers. Bundy and Clark would cruise the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, looking for sex workers to pick up and then murder. At one point, Carol Bundy told an ex-boyfriend about the murders and later killed him to preserve the secret. Oh my. It's like, what? She soon gave in to her guilty conscience, though, and confessed to her nurse co-workers about the crimes. She tried to say that she went along with the murders unwillingly, but contradicted that in statements to police and journalists about how much fun she was having at the time. Which, really? Like, you're having fun? And it, I, it's always amazing to me that two people like this can just find each other in the world. It's mind-boggling. Just in a bar. Just be like, whoa, me too. Two of the evilest people. Oh. Carol Bundy has since died, and Douglas Clark is living out a sentence on death row. 
Number three on our countdown of infamous accomplices is Tyra Moore. Moore was the girlfriend of serial killer Eileen Warnos and the sole source of the killer's happiness and her eventual downfall. Eileen Warnos is one of the most notorious criminals in the true crime genre and the subject of the movie, Monster. Oh, Charlize. That's a great movie. Warnos met Moore while bar hopping in Florida. They went on to live together, referring to each other affectionately as wife. Tyra didn't like Warnos's sex work and wanted her to quit, but the two also lived off those earnings, so it's like a catch-22 right there. Tyra Moore was not directly involved in the murders, but she knew about the first one committed, which she said was Mm self-defense, and suspected there were more, as Warnos brought home new things. Yikes. When you're having to be like, I wonder if she's murdering people getting those new things. You you gotta think You gotta think about who you're like laying down next to. If that's the first thought in your mind that she might be murdering people, I don't know. Maybe get out of there. Yeah, because I've never thought of that about someone. I was with. That nope. wasn't the first thing to come nope. up. The police captured the two, but didn't have substantial evidence to really build a solid case until Tyra was used to turn against Warnos. Oh, it's getting juicy. Ultimate betrayal. Warnos finally confessed to her crimes and said Tyra wasn't involved. That was so she didn't good. turn on her. It's believed that Tyra now lives in Pennsylvania and has retreated from the limelight, which is probably a good idea. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. I didn't even think about Eileen. Also, if Eileen is number three, who is number one? I totally forgot that, like, Tyra could be considered an accomplice. Yeah, definitely. Wow, look at... Look at you, research gods. Killing it. Look at you. Who's number one and two? I gotta know. Well, who's number two? Well, (laughs) hang on and I'll tell ya. (laughs) Tell me. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of infamous accomplices. At number two is Mary Surratt. Surratt owned the boarding house in Washington, D.C., where John Wilkes Booth is believed to have devised his plan to kill Lincoln. She was arrested and became the first woman executed by the U.S. government. But was she really guilty? Was she? I gotta know. Let's talk about it. So there's a debate all over this. Some people say that she willingly aided and abetted them, and others say she was merely the owner of the place they stayed. But, you know, she had to have at least heard some stuff I, going on. I was going to say, like, I feel like, yeah, maybe she didn't intentionally aid in a bet, but, like, yeah, you had to heard something and been like, that was weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe I should do something about that. Well, Booth also asked her to deliver a package that turned out to be firearms. Uh-oh. And a man who rented property for Mary testified that she knew what she was delivering with knowledge of the full plan. Uh-oh. But... He was also a heavy drinker, especially late at night when Mary would have spoken to him. So Uh-oh. I don't know. <laughs> that makes lot. you not a great witness. A lot to unpack there. Mary also claimed not to be familiar with conspirator Lewis Powell, yet 
he had stayed at the boarding house many, many times. So are you lying or do you just have a crappy memory, Mary? It could really go either way. I know. I would think that you would know who's staying at your boarding house many times. You would think so. Like, isn't there a logbook? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. (laughs) The jury asked that she be shown mercy because of her sex and the death sentence commuted to life. But that never happened. She was the first woman to be sentenced to death in the U.S. They debate the guilt and innocence, but also what would have been her motive? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's like, why would she want... I mean, unless she just, like, didn't like Lincoln. I I was going to say that would be the only motive. (laughs) Yeah. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 infamous accomplices, Bonnie Parker, who became one half of Bonnie and Clyde and supported the whole Barrow gang. Bonnie's relationship with Clyde began as a strong accomplice. Shortly after the two met, Clyde went to jail. He escaped using a gun that Bonnie smuggled to him. Fast forward to the duo becoming, oh, one of the most well-known criminal couples in American history. I don't think I've heard of them. I'll, I'll tell you about them, I'm don't just worry. kidding. <laughs> Bonnie is an iconic female Western outlaw. Yep. Mainly because there were so few. <laughs> but she didn't actually partake in many of the crimes and none of the murders. Oh, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like off on that. Yeah. When they met, Bonnie was actually married to someone else who was in jail for murder. So she had so a she type. Was, she was sorry, I was going to say she knew who she liked. <laughs> they actually never divorced. Oh, which is shocking. She was wearing her wedding ring when she died. That's also very interesting. (laughs) It really throws off the whole romantic notion of Bonnie and Clyde that everyone has because it's like she was married to someone else and was still still wearing the ring. Right. Bonnie wasn't just partnered up with Clyde, but with the whole Barrow gang in the beginning. Bonnie loved photography and she and Clyde took photos and struck them a romantic appeal to the outlaw life that the public loved. Okay. So they they were like public relations before public relations. <laughs> they were. Yeah, they were social media before it. Instagram started with Bonnie and Clyde. They knew what the aesthetic was before it was even a thing. It was like Western outlaw aesthetic. <laughs> Search that on TikTok. During an apartment raid, police found her camera and undeveloped film with pics of them that were published all over during the manhunt selfie. It was jarring to the public to see a woman outlaw like Bonnie, young and estranged from her husband, traveling with a man she wasn't married to, and, you know, smoking a cigar. Kind of like a bad bee. (laughs) The two died in a firefight with police when they were just in their early 20s. I know, that's the other crazy thing. They died so young. At the time of their deaths, they're believed to be responsible for 13 deaths, in addition to multiple robberies and kidnappings, which might also take away the romantic notion from this. I don't know. Yeah, people really love to, like, romanticize that, but it's like, guys... They love a Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -mm. Bonnie and Clyde became folk heroes to the depression-beaten population. Thousands of people came to their funerals. Oh, I also didn't know that. Me neither. That's wild. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde had to be number one. Absolutely. Had to be. Anybody else, it would have been like, what? No. Yeah. No, I think this was honestly perfect. I think this list was great. I can't think of another. 
I can't think of another accomplice. one either. I mean, I'm sure there probably are, but this list was pretty, pretty good. Because when you think of accomplice, you think of somebody who isn't as involved. Right. Because I was going to say like Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool were kind of like a thing, but they were like equally terrible. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know what? You did it. You, you did, did it. it. Research gods, you did it. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other ParCast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which we hope you do, you can follow our podcast, Morbid, on Instagram at Morbid Podcast and on Twitter at Amorbid Podcast. And we'll see you next Monday. Keep it weird till then. Don't become an accomplice. Bye. Get a sidekick, not an accomplice. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact-checking by Kara Mackerlein. Research by Jay Cahio. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new podcast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.